five, four, three, two. It's another Friday. This week I did it my way. I made lots of juice, and now I feel a boost. Baby, say, oh, it's the way I make my juice. Pressing fruits and roots. This week I did it my way. Baby, say, oh, now let's have some fun. There is nothing greater than Friday's act of nature. Ooh, what's up, my juice lovers? Welcome to... Good Nature Radio, episode six, I believe. Uh, this is your host, Charlie Wetlaufer, with my esteemed co-host, the number one juice business consultant in the world, Chef Ari Sexner. What's up, Ari? How's it going? And of course, the wonderful, the charismatic, the superstar, the amazing entrepreneur, Olivia Esquivel. What's up, Olivia? I can send you a list of adjectives (laughs) to use next time if you want. Not that those weren't great, but, you know, I I don't want you to run out. I I should have thought about it for at least like five seconds before I... (laughs) What's up, everybody? Tried to improv it. (laughs) Um, Good Nature Radio is the weekly Friday podcast where the juicing industry comes together to get help with starting and growing a juice bar, home-based juice business, or cold-press juice delivery, delivery company. Podcast brought to you by Good Nature, the world leader in commercial cold press juicers and juice business consulting. 100% family owned business since it was founded in 1976 by my dad, Dale Wetlaufer. If you'd like to send us a message, uh, you can do that at goodnature.com slash radio. You can leave a voicemail and we will answer your question if you're struggling about something in your business or you have a question about juicing. And also, you can download some valuable resources there, such as the actual logs and list documents that Olivia uses in her juice bar to run her business every day. Um, right. And also we have a form there. If you want a uh, free 30 minute consultation with our consultant team, Ari and Olivia about getting consulting for your juice business, you can fill out the form at goodnature.com slash radio. All right. So getting into it. Um, if anybody wants to watch Olivia's IG Live she did this week, you can check that out on the Southern Press Juicery or the Good Nature Instagram page. Uh, Olivia, why don't you just give the brief overview of what you went over this week? Man, I don't want to brag, but I think it was a good one. Compared to last week, <laughs> I, I lost coverage. I couldn't walk. Um, I had a really rough week last week, so I came in strong this week. I went live from my smallest location, which I think is good for other places to see um, kind of how you can scale and have a larger place and then have a smaller place. So it's our smallest square footage um, location. It's our second one in Greenville. And I kind of just talked about fall flavors. I did a recipe of um, our number one smoothie that's trending right now. It's a apple crumble pie smoothie. It was actually, I think I tasted it for the first time. I thought I had tasted it before, but maybe maybe I tasted it and I forgot it, but it was unbelievable. Um, but aside from that, I basically talked about ways that I market within my store um, to help bring in um, more guests, help increase your sales, and really kind of give some guest education since this is a product that we need to talk a lot about oftentimes with our guests. So I went through some of my actual signage, some of my street signage, in-store signage. So I don't know. I, th- I think it was a good one. We had some good questions and um, a lot of really good visuals. So I hope that that's helpful for you guys. Um, and if you need help with anything like that, then 
you know, we're here. Cool. I agree. It was an awesome episode of your IG lives. Did you ready to go check that out? Did you watch out? it, Charlie? Uh, I watched some of it. <laughs> no, I I, 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 I got out late. I haven't watched the whole thing yet. But the, okay, the well. last five minutes that I saw was great. So I missed the first 15 minutes. That was go back and watch the it. last part was the strongest. Yeah, see, I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, c- congrats like to our book. Yeah, you read just, the, the first and last. You know? Just get to the point, Olivia. <laughs> or you just listen to the audio version on like times eight speed and you're like, yeah, read the whole book in like an hour. <laughs> um, congrats to our friend Nori Ko, who we interviewed on the podcast Woo! on episode two. He completed his 100 mile marathon. Man, that was incredible. In Japan over the past weekend, fueled by beet juice, carrot juice, and dates and figs, I think. Yeah. But that was it. He wasn't doing any of the, you know, sports drinks or gels or like, you know, granola bars or anything. It was all just uh, fruit and vegetable powered. So congrats, Nori. That's awesome. Did you guys really see, impressive. did you see the pictures on his social? Yeah. Oh, man. It looked like it was raining yeah. and everything. Yeah, he was wearing, he, at the end, he was wearing like yeah. a poncho and stuff. It was. He uh, kind of looked the same after 100 miles. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'd expect to see him a little more tired, but. He looked the same. He really that. did. <laughs> yeah. It, um, it was cool to hear him talk about how he was watching other runners take like the gels and, you know, and all yeah. these different drinks and um, how he didn't, he, I don't, he didn't even sleep. Like he just kept going, you know, and you could see like on his social, you could see him with friends kind of you can see all the juice you can see his um what does he have an x1 mini you, you can uh he has an m1 in his van. Oh, an m1 yeah you can see it like in the yeah. background it's so awesome yeah so awesome that's really cool he, he should he needs to be interviewed on the rick roll podcast or something because really? you know that was no he should be i know he should be or rich roll is that his name he should be interviewed um, by somebody other than us i'm just Insane. Well, because because Ritual, he got started. He was the same thing. He was ultra marathon runner. So, and he's like, I think he's a vegan or vegetarian. Like, I I feel like Nora would be the perfect guest for him. Pretty cool. Um, yeah. So Nori's inspired me. I uh, I'm so my event's coming up this Sunday. My half Ironman. I'm switching to complete uh, vegan starting today. So oh I wow! Won't be consuming any. I actually usually do that for a couple days before the event, but today I'm starting a little bit earlier for this time. Um, I don't know. I just feel like I burn energy a little bit cleaner when it's just uh, fruit and vegetables. And you just feel lighter the day yeah. of the event and stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. What are you going to do for your like... fuel during the event? So I, I'm not... I, I'm just using... So Nori has inspired me, but I'm afraid to completely switch my routine up yeah. this close to the event. Yeah. So I'm going to stick to, I have these like natural, this natural drink mix, which is like electrolytes and carbohydrate, like a few different kinds of sugars and salts and stuff. Yeah. It's not flavored or colored or anything. Um, doing that and I'm eating some like fig bars, like those kind of like more natural fig newtons. Um, so that's going to be my fuel mainly and water, of course, but. Uh, yeah, I, I went on a bike ride this weekend. I was planning on going 50 miles through hill country mm. and around like mile 37, I kind of like hit a wall 
And I wasn't like out of breath and my legs weren't sore. I just like ran out of energy. Mm. And uh, so I made it home. It was, so it ended up being like 42 miles total, but I had to take a bunch of breaks and stuff and then did some research and I wasn't consuming nearly enough um, energy on my ride. I just drank like one of the drink mixes and a couple bottles of water. Mm. But yeah, and it was like ended up being a three hour ride. But they say every hour you're supposed to drink one of those and eat something. So I, I just kind of so ran just, out of. You're like a car that ran out of gas, just like cruising. Yeah, and, and there's even a term a lot, for the. But in my car, yeah. <laughs> in you car. ran out of fish. I'm always like, am I gonna <laughs> yeah, make it? Am I gonna? Ah, I made it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. What was I gonna say? Oh yeah, th- there's a term for it. They call it bonking. like bonking out yeah and it's i read the description like oh that's exactly what happened to me you just like totally you just run out of energy because your body like runs out of carbohydrates i think if you're like into keto and you're used to running on like body fat and you're in ketosis i think that doesn't happen because your body's processing like the stored energy instead of carbohydrates so uh, I think it's different if you're keto or running on carbs. It's like two different kind of energy. Mm. But um, <clears throat> anyway, I never really got into the keto stuff. I'll I store like that in so a like, file back here in case I ever decide <laughs> to run. <laughs> yeah, I, I like juice too much to do keto. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. So someone messaged me on Instagram this week. And I get these messages occasionally asking about when the next juice con is going to be. So I thought I would just briefly kind of describe our thought process and juice kind of what right now. So we did our first one in 2018. Went really well. We sold out. We had a really small venue. Uh, I think there's like 175 tickets we sold or something. And then year two, uh, we did a huge in Miami. There's space for like 400 people or more. And uh, we ended up not selling as many tickets as we hoped. We lost a lot of money on the event. It was a great event for the people there and everything. Oh, yeah. But um, we lost like, I don't even want to say how much money, but a ridiculous amount of money. Um, Because we just, since we sold out the first event, we figured, oh, maybe we can sell like double the amount of tickets, but it wasn't even close. We sold like maybe maybe 220 paid tickets or something, you know, plus guests and speakers and everything. So there's more people at the event, but... uh, not enough to cover our costs, not even close, even with the sponsorships and everything. Um, so then, as we're thinking about how can we do it better and how can we make it a great event, have more people come and not lose a bunch <laughs> of money on it, the, the pandemic hit. So we rescheduled the third one. And then, like, we moved it back a year almost. And then as we're getting ready to plan that one, then like Omicron hit or something, everything started shutting down again. So we canceled that one. And that's kind of where we're at now. So now we're sort of out of the pandemic. Um, but I'm a little hesitant to rush into replanning it because I still feel like I haven't totally figured out what the right format is. And this is something I'm talking to people about, like Olivia, you're one of the people we talk a lot about this and Ari about like, what yeah. can we do? I would love it for, to be cheap to come to, right? Like we right. had to charge like eight, $800, $900 a ticket on the last ones because the budget of throwing a live event is crazy. It's, yeah, it's like a venue that's understand. a problem, right? I mean, it's, 
it's it's you have to rent the venue you have to pay the yeah you have to pay the av people you have to pay security you have to pay for food you have to pay for staff you have to pay for electricity you have to pay for internet right it's ends up being 200 to 300 thousand dollars to throw a two-day event yeah so it's just like you can't and people complain about the ticket price it's like guys we're not even making money on this you can't sell tickets for 150 dollars when you're paying 300 grand to to rent this place but you can't but on the other hand like you can't deny that it, it is such a valuable experience right and so yeah it would be if it wasn't that valuable of an experience i feel like it would be an easy business decision to just be like well we're not doing that again but it is so mm-hmm. valuable like even for me for chef ari like even you know even though if we're even if you're a speaker and you're not sitting there taking notes on how to open your first juice bar there's such a breadth of people in there that i mean i was taking notes on people you know, that we're in the audience that I was having conversations with. So it's like, I hate to lose that commonality of like everybody coming together and sharing. And I loved how you opened it up last time and just basically like cleared the air, Charlie. And you said, um, you know, this is, this is not a competition. None of us are in competition together. This is a safe space to talk about things, to ask hard questions. Mm-hmm. What are you charging? What are you making? What are you paying yourself? Like what, you know, because really I think that 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 really set the tone for the entire weekend to be like, let's share and learn from one another. Um, so it's like, gosh, I just don't want it to go away. Cause I, I, yeah, so I how do we so take, I, no, so I agree with you. So how do we keep that part of it? Yeah. And make it more accessible. So more people can come. Right. And not charge so much money. And like the most valuable part I do think is the networking and talking to people and meeting people. So how do we do that part of it? Maybe without a lot of the other stuff that's just mm-hmm. kind of expensive and maybe not that valuable, like I don't know, like the parties and the food and like all that other right. stuff. And uh I mean I th- so maybe you just cut that out. I don't know. I mean, I, I think the other thing is too, like I know Shafari, when you got off the stage, same thing happened to you that happened to all of us is that, you know, this line forms of people that want to talk to you and you know. Um, which is awesome. And we stood there and talked to all of them, but it's like, they all want that one-on-one conversation with chef or with Charlie or with me or with whoever else is on the panel. And, you know, we learn from those conversations too. But so that's why, like I keep telling Charlie, I feel like some other events that I've done in the past that have been really helpful as and more efficient, it felt like is doing sort of these mini one-on-ones, you know, 20, 25 minutes where you come ready with all of your questions for Chef Ari. This is a machine I'm using. This is my production. This is my sales. What am I missing on my food cost or whatever it is, right? And you've just got that one-on-one. But on the other hand, you've got 250 people, right? So it's like, how do you have enough time? You you got a few different factors too. Like half the people are starting a juice bar. Right. You know, and the other half are looking to expand mm-hmm. right. or improve. And, their and that's the other thing, them. too, is when you charge so much for a ticket, you kind of filter out. You Like if someone's really just has this dream of opening a juice bar someday, it's kind of hard for them to justify right. bringing two or three people and spending $2,000 and attending the event. And like on top of that, there's flights and hotels and everything. Um. But but I did like the I mean, way you my, had it in different tracks. Like, you know, you remember you had like two different tracks of like if you're starting and if you're already so that kind of like. Yeah. But, but then we had else. a lot of complaints. Then we had a lot of complaints like I didn't like that I had to choose between what I wanted to see yeah. because I just want to see it all. And like, I I think ideally 
which is the direction I was going for the one we canceled recently is you do. Uh, so at the last ones, we had two different rooms, two different stages, two different like presentations mm-hmm. going on. I think you do all the presentations in the main room with everybody present, but like maybe you do a presentation or a panel discussion to kind of set the tone and talk about one or two different topics, maybe a couple of sessions in a row. And then everybody breaks up and goes to workshops, Mm -hmm. one-on-ones, kind of maybe in the same theme as what the stuff that was just talked about on stage. Yeah. So maybe like half the morning is on stage stuff, half the morning is group stuff. Then you do lunch and then you come back for more sessions or maybe more group stuff and then sessions at the end or something. But you can kind of do it so like instead of having two different stages and two things going on, right. people have to choose what they want to see. You just kind of do it all together um, with more generic topics that apply to everyone. And then they can break up and choose something super specific, like, um, you know, like juicing creativity with Chef Ari. You right. go to this room. Right. You want like to talk about how you can drive more sales to your juice bar. Or you can go to Olivia's workshop. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It'd be more smaller workshop stuff. Yeah. And maybe there's an online version. I don't know. You know, like I I don't want to do that. I like everyone keeps suggesting we do something virtual. But to me, like that's kind of what this podcast is anyway. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff we do, you know, the courses we're working on. Like I think that's better than some weird virtual uh conference where I don't know. Yeah. I just feel like the most valuable part of the conference is being around other people. Yeah, I agree. And you're not doing that when you're <clears throat> doing like a virtual meeting or something. But. Yeah. So anyway, we will put another one on the calendar. We haven't yet. I'm trying to figure out exactly what it should be. If you have any suggestions, go ahead and uh, leave us a voice message. Tell us what you'd like to see at JuiceCon or if you've been to JuiceCon, maybe what your favorite parts of it were. Mm. Uh, we'd like to hear from you guys. And we will... I'm I'm thinking um, it's obviously too late to do it this year. That's the other thing is these things take a year to plan. I don't think a lot of people understand that. So when we cancel one, they'll be like, ah, just like uh, move it to Texas and we'll do it like next month. It's like, guys, it's not, not the way it works. Um, I'm a big fan then, of, of like many, you know, many juice cons. I think you should put Ari and I yeah. on the road and do like many, you know, while we wait for the big one. Because the other thing is, is like, like the last one was supposed to be, where was it in Vegas or something? Vegas or California? Miami. Like, no, the one, the one that we just got canceled. Oh, uh, San Diego. San Diego. Right. So like if you're on the East mm-hmm. Coast, you're like, oh my God, like that's a whole day of flying. And if I'm going to go out there, I'm going to stay for a few days. And then now I'm like, do I bring my family? And same thing. It must feel the same way if you're coming to the East Coast. Right. So maybe there's mm-hmm. like a solution where if it's an East Coast, well, I mean, year, that was, that you do a was mini... a concept. That was a concept. We do West Coast and then East Coast and right, then back right, to right. West Coast. Right. Um, maybe on those off but, years, you take like a mini one on the road, right? Well, well, like we did the, the meetup here in Austin yeah. a few months ago. That was pretty fun. Right. I mean, there's no reason you couldn't kind of turn that into like something that we're doing most, mostly juice tasting and the juicing contest. But you could also do a couple sessions and discussion stuff. Yeah. And that's super easy. Like renting out a restaurant for half a day and doing a little mini event, the budget's like 
five percent of doing a conference. Yeah. So right. for like five or ten grand, you can do this little event. But then if you make it into a conference, all of a sudden it's two hundred thousand dollars. It's crazy, you know. It's just like there's no stepping stone. <laughs> yeah. I know. So I I do like the little local events, and I and I think we could do more of those. Um, we just kind of need people in different places to kind of volunteer to help out, you know, like use their restaurant or juice bar and, um, yeah. Anyway, more on that later. We'll talk more about it, but I just want to give everyone an update. There is no date yet for the next one, but probably <laughs> it'll likely be 2023. That was the longest. There so. is no update. Update. Update <laughs> coming soon. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. Oh gosh. Oh wow, we're already twenty minutes in. That's crazy. All right. Something sent shockwaves through the juicing industry this week. Some controversy. Uh JK Juice is publicly admitted to adding ascorbic acid to their juice, which um I don't know. I found a little surprising. But I'm curious, Chef, like so just for everyone listening, sorbic acid is vitamin C. Uh, it's derived from natural sources, obviously, and stuff, but it's still still considered a chemical, right? Well, it's synthetically extracted. Right. I so, I, I mean, it, it, it's at least an additive. Right. And it is like a chemical. I, I guess it's not <clears throat> like, I mean, it is made in a lab, but I don't know if it's made from synthetic. I don't know. It's pure vitamin C, though. Yeah. The, so I mean, I it this topic it's it's tough for me. It pertains to juice bar, and as a chef, it's kind of two different things, because I know the creative process in a kitchen, in general kitchen, you know, you always want to kind of have ideas coming out and not shoot anything down. So you want to try and experiment with this. So I've, I've actually used it before in, in cooking, you know, we actually, uh, we did a granita with green apples and basically you'll do straight green apples. You'll add the absorbic acid to it and then it will turn a real vibrant green and you'll freeze it and it will stay vibrant green. And it kind of gives you a real nice, sharp acidity, uh, which is great for that application um as pertains to juice bar or anything trying to come off as like the highest quality products it's it's very tough from the guest perspective you know to be able to see that uh especially when to add a preservative that is something you could have naturally like lemons limes oranges even pineapples will give you that natural vitamin c uh, I think that's absolutely the route you have to go because, I mean, just from a guest perspective, they might not know that absorbic acid is vitamin C, you know, and they just see that on the menu or, you know, all these different vitamins have their technical names. But, I mean, it, it'd be extremely tough to kind of add it into, add it onto your menu and list it on there. And there's no, there's not that much of a benefit from it, truthfully, because it really keeps the juice extremely vibrant but what i find is for like that application what i did with added with green apple juice 
It was extremely vibrant. But if I left it out at room temp for an hour, it would go back and be extremely oxidized. You know, it like the effects, the benefits you get from it are very short lived. You know, it doesn't really last as long as natural lemon juice from my experience. And plus, I mean, what kind of shelf life are you getting with raw juice? I mean, you want four to five days. Max, you can get seven days approved. Uh, but, I mean, I don't see why you'd want more for a raw product. What do you think, Olivia? Would would you consider yeah. doing this in your juice bar? Okay, so again, I'm always going to come from an owner-operator standpoint and from a branding perspective because that's what my background is. So I appreciate hearing Chef Ari's and uh, you know background from a chef that you're right. Like there's you know there's certain obstacles in the kitchen that you're trying to get over, and the number one obstacle in, in this industry for what we do is shelf life. Right? It's you're constantly playing that game of getting the produce in, producing it, getting it out, hoping you have enough people walk in the door in the next two or three days to sell it. Um, but you're also preaching that it's this raw, pure product. And so I think it's a slippery slope when you start adding things, um, when you've built this brand on talking about not adding things. Now, I will say that um, I know what it's like from an owner-operator standpoint. You know, I know what it's like to look at juice that's expiring and be like, crap, if I could just get another day or two out of this. From a shelf life perspective, you know, I, I could be making money instead of losing money. Um, and I will say that, you know... HPP, high pressurized, um, high pressure pasteurization is a, is another step that's a slippery slope. And it's one that I've gone down personally at Southern Press Juicery. Um, but again, I don't know why JK Juices did it. Maybe it was to extend the shelf life for me. Um, we started dabbling in HPP. We do both. We do press in-house on our X1 and we do have a line of juices that we do HPP. And for me, it's a learning situation because we were doing so much volume so much volume. I'm talking about millions of dollars in volume. We could not keep up with the production of juice. Like our case was 86 every day. And our juice, our X1s, both X1s were going 24 seven. I'm talking about midnight shifts, people there all the time. And it got to a point where we couldn't keep up with production. And so guests were coming in. It wasn't a shelf life issue. It's that we didn't have enough manpower and enough storage space for our produce to keep enough juice going. So they would come into a nearly empty fridge and they would see people juicing in the back and they'd be like, I'll just wait for that, Olivia. You know, I'll wait for him to finish that. And I'm like, no, 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 that's been sold. <laughs> that whatever he's <laughs> juicing right now is it's already paid for, spoken for. So for me, bringing in high pressurized, high pressure pasteurization products that is made on, on a, the larger version of the X1, Charlie, whatever that machine is called, huge big Bertha. Um, but it's a good nature machine um, and it goes through a high pressure pasteurization. So it's made in the same. I mean, I'm drinking one right now. It's made in the same bottle. It's um, taken to a hyperbaric chamber where it goes underwater under high pressure for three seconds, pops back up. Um, there's no heat added. There's no additives. There's no chemicals. And it allows me to extend the shelf life to a 45 day shelf life. And it allows me to have juice in bulk. Right. So I was able to pick a couple of SKUs. Um, that allowed me to get those in from my, you know, from my co-packer and always have those juice so that my back of the house could focus on other SKUs and making sure we had a full cooler. So I know what it's like to have that slippery slope of like, man, I, I need to do something to make it to the next step. Um, and I'm just not sure that, that that's a step I personally would take because then now you're starting to talk about additives. So I can talk about HPP 
in a different way that it's still, you know, it's the most kosher of all the ways to pasteurize. It's not heated. It's nothing is added. It's the same integrity of the juice that you were drinking. Um, I just, yeah, I will say I've never added yeah. absorbic acid to anything. Yeah. <clears throat> and just to be clear for the listeners, what Olivia is discussing is um, going to a co-packer, a right. company that will make juice for you. They'll, they'll, they'll use your recipes and right. They're making the juice for you. Yes. And they're they're they... making the juice for me on, on a good nature machine. Same exact yep. recipe, um, you know, just in larger batches. And then it goes to a facility that is a hyperbaric, um, has a hyperbaric mm, pressure HPP. chamber, which is mm-hmm. called HPP. Um, and like I said, it's made in the same bottle, made the same way. It's, you know, sealed and put into this hyperbaric chamber, goes underwater for three seconds. The product is never exposed to water, just the plastic bottle is. And then in three seconds, it pops up and it allows us to extend the shelf life. And it also allows me to order pallets and pallets and pallets of it, which helps, you know, obviously help me get juice out the door when I can't keep up with juice. Now, I will say, though, I don't know if that's the right answer for even Southern Press Juicery. Um, for a number of reasons that we can get into now or later. But like Charlie has always told me, Olivia, everybody I've ever seen in my career at Good Nature that has started on HPP that was as successful as you are has closed. And so for me, well, I'm, no, yeah. So, or what did yeah. you say? Or I said like HPP is where good juice bars go to die. <laughs> yes. Because they, okay, like, so you said it these, even worse than I did. They start, <laughs> I mean, they start not on HPP. And then right. they grow. Maybe they have investors that are pressuring them to like sell in grocery stores or expand. Right. And then they release an HPP line. And then a few months later or a year later, they're out of business. I've just seen it so many times. Right. And, and so- in my opinion, juice, cold press juice isn't meant to be a big business. Right. Now, there have been companies that have succeeded in it like. Suja and Evolution Fresh, but you're talking tens of millions of dollars thrown behind these brands. Not right. not like, you know, a few hundred thousand or something. But and, and, and anyway, say, yeah. So I I, went, I, I, exp- I expressed that to you, but Right. It's and I'll obviously say, like, there's I exceptions. went into I went into the HPP knowing that, right? So we maintained our X one and we're still producing in house. And it's, you know, probably not even half my menu is is HPP. So for us, it was really just the ability to try it and see what it did to us and see if that was worth it for us. If it opened up some doors for us and, you know, we may not end up sticking with it. It's, um, the guests are able to see in store when something is, um, HPP and when something is made in house, it does obviously open some Mm -hmm. doors for folks that are, don't feel comfortable drinking Rogers if they're pregnant or whatever it might be. Um, so again, I understand kind of wanting to get the most out of your business and whether that's shelf life or volume or whatever. Um, I just think from a branding perspective, adding something is a conversation yeah. you need to have with your guests. Just like I have the conversation with my guests, some of our juices in the case are now HPP. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, a, would... uh-huh. I think it might be a good fit, like combination type right. thing. I think the biggest misstep that a lot of people do is they, they have the raw juice available locally and then they add on HVP to be able to get to a larger market. And then the misstep is replacing their raw juice with the HVP yes. product, you know, because mm-hmm. that, that raw juice is amazing. It's, it's fresh. It's got an, a shelf life of four days, which is great. Uh, but then 
that's kind of like the magic, you know, but the HPP product, it serves its purpose. It's time and place, you know, yeah. to be able to hit the masses and where you might not be able to reach. Before. Yes. If, if I, if I have a favorite local juice bar and they launch an HPP line that's in grocery stores, that's like fine. Like you have to do that to sell wholesale. But I want to know if I go to that location that what I'm buying is still raw. You know? Right. And if, if I was ever confused at that or I wasn't sure, for me, that'd be a deal breaker. Um, or if you so, were misled on it, right? Especially if I was misled yeah, like on it. Yeah, like there are like, companies out there, maybe Charlie can name them if he wants to, that have HPP product that's not labeled HPP. I am not one of those companies. Yeah, I mean... It's, I mean, so it, when juicing first started taking off, like there was a whole series of class action lawsuits about companies doing that. Some of the larger companies that now label HPP used to not do it. And there's some class action lawsuits. I don't know what the results were. It's confidential, but, um, so they changed their labeling and the whole argument is like, well, it's still raw because it's just a uh, high pressure processing that doesn't create any heat. It's like, whatever, dude. There's no such thing as raw juice that lasts a month, okay? Yeah. There's just not. Yeah. In my, in my opinion, <laughs> people will debate me, but usually the people that debate me are people that use HPP, you know, and it's like obviously a little biased. But. Yeah. I mean, again, that's why we do both, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tactic. And I think on the JK video, you know, I, I think I caught that they said that it was something they were trying, but then I thought I heard that it was something that they do. So I got a little confused, but for me, HPP is something that we're trying and it's, um, maybe it was a banded bandaid during COVID when I needed it for pure volume. Um, and we're kind of analyzing our sales and looking to see how it doesn't impact consumer sales and obviously food costs and all of those things. But, um, I just think at the end of the day, whatever process you're taking one, it needs to be listed on the label or on the menu and it, and your guests mm -hmm. need to be uh, very clear about what they're buying, because I think that's a, a, potential for a really big misstep with your guests and with your reputation. Yeah, I, I agree. Like the trust level for your local juice bar is so important because yeah. you you're buying what you believe is a minimally processed raw beverage. Then all, all of a sudden you find out, Oh, actually I thought it was, but it's not. I mean, that's uh, yeah. violating trust. But as, as far as preservation goes, like to me, HPP is, Fine. Like I'll drink it when that's what I have access to. Like if, if I'm at Whole Foods, I'll buy HPP juice while I'm there because it's easy. I don't have to go down the street to the juice bar or whatever. Um, but I would never, ever buy a juice that had ascorbic acid in it. I just wouldn't. Well, and I just think from a, from a kitchen perspective too, as an, as an owner operator, I'll defer to Chef Ari, but why wouldn't you just, again, like he said, mess with the pH balance in a different way by, you know, curtailing that that recipe to have more citrus in it, pulling, you know, increasing your acidity on that so that you can get a longer shelf life. If that's what you needed. I just, I, yeah. that's the route I would go. It feels like a, a large processing technique applied to a, yeah. a small batch. A, yeah. A, a raw, yeah. And, and I, mean, I large honestly, processors, they just add it. I know. And I honestly think it's probably just lack of education, not, I don't know. Like, if you're like, oh, well, it's just vitamin C, and vitamin C is my oranges. No right. problem if I add this. Um, but it's like, that's kind of a slippery slope, too. I mean, gourd gum comes from gourd beans. It's like, that's natural, too. Are you going to start adding gourd gum to your almond milk? Right, to get a longer shelf life and a better... 
Corn syrup comes from corn. You're gonna start adding corn syrup to your juices because it makes it taste sweeter. I I was almost gonna suggest adding xanthan gum to that oat milk to get that foam <gasps> last week. <laughs> you bite your <laughs> tongue, Chef. I, I, I wasn't. <laughs> um, no, I wouldn't. But you could. We would have voted Friggin you off MSG. The Friggin' MSG comes from seaweed. You know, I mean, it's just like a slippery slope. It's like a lot of these additives are naturally derived chemicals. You know, it doesn't mean that it's okay to start adding it to juice. Um, and again, you can you can get that longer shelf life um, in, in, a, in an easier way, honestly, that you don't even have to have a conversation with the guest about by just, you know, working with your citrus and revamping your recipe or, you know, if that's if that's what they were after, there's different ways to get there, I think. Yeah. I mean, just lemon, you know, honestly. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, yeah. If anyone listening has a different take on that or wants to add anything, leave us a voice message at goodnature.com slash radio. Speaking of voice messages, we have three today. Um, I'm, I'm excited that we got one all the way from Belgium. A lady named Perrine, I believe. We go ahead and play this. Hey, hello. I am Perrin. I am the owner of Pimsy Juices in Belgium. I have a question. Here there have been big campaigns a few years ago that advise people against juices because they contain too much sugar. I have my own answers, but I would love to hear yours. How do you respond to that? Thank you in advance for your answers. Have a good day. And sorry for my English. <laughs> <laughs> English was so People great. always say that. It's so cute when foreigners are like, sorry for my English. It's like, no, 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 it's fine. <laughs> like, Okay, well, let me just um, say one thing. When I go to another country yeah. and I'm speaking, like, you know, I can speak a little bit of Italian. I'm always like, oh, do they think I'm like this American <laughs> with a cute Italian accent? But I don't think they do. I think it's only when people speak English that it sounds like cute. Well, in, in Asia, like if you speak like two words of their language, like, oh, you speak so good. <laughs> you know, they get so excited. <laughs> But it's like, I, I feel like if you go to France and try to speak French, they just kind of get annoyed. Yeah. But you know, when you hear but, somebody with a different accent, you're like, oh, that's sexy. You know, like, oh, I love his yeah, accent. Right. Like, I don't think anybody is thinking that. Oh, I see what you're saying. When like we speaking go, their yeah, language with your right. accent. Like if I'm trying to yeah. speak Italian, I don't think anybody is like, ooh, listen to that. Yeah. But, I don't know. Maybe. Anyways, point. local campaign against sugar. Yes. All right. Uh, yeah, Livia, why don't you start one. on this one? I'm sure you get this question a lot. Yeah, I do. And, and you know, I, I think um, having some variety in your menu is is really nice. So, um, you know, we started with, when we first started in 2015, Southern Prince Juicery started with some really easy green juices. Easy green juices means they use apples, right, to um, make the taste a little bit more palatable, more of a beginner juice. Then as our concept started to grow and we started teaching our guests with us and they started wanting more and more advanced juices, then our menu started changing and growing along with them. So we'd start replacing apples with pear, deeper, darker greens. We have greens with no sweet, um, you know, with no sugars at all. So I think it's, um, I think you should have both, right? I, I don't really, I will never buy a juice that is just loaded with, um, ingredients that have a ton of sugar, right? So like if I have a beet, which normally has a lot of sugar, I'm going to pair that with like a tarragon and a mint and some really, you know, some really nice herbs that will add to the flavor, but aren't necessarily going to, I'm not probably going to do like a 
beet carrot orange. It's going to be just like so much natural sugar. Um, but also you can, you could and should get your nutrition, um, labels done. That's really helpful. It is definitely a cause for concern for folks that are, um, diabetic or have to watch their sugar. They do need to understand, you know, the level of sugar that they're taking in. Um, so I think just having conversations with your staff and with your guest, knowing what in your fridge, in your case, has a lower sugar content, has a higher sugar content from those natural fruits. Um, and then, you know, obviously um, trying to get a nutrition label so that they can decide for themselves if that's too much sugar or if it's not. And just having a really good variety. Put out some juices that don't have any fruits at all so that you can answer with, hey, not everything in here is full of fruits. You know, we're really veggie heavy. How about you, Ari? Do you, do you have a way to like tell people to educate between natural sugar and added sugar? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, well, this topic came up quite often. I I think it was, it it was really like a campaign from uh, Mm -hmm. a lot of larger manufacturers, Mm -hmm. I believe, you Mm -hmm. know, because I mean, I believe a lot of the articles said juice has more sugar than soda. (laughs) You know, in a lot of cases and yeah, there's a huge difference. I'm not a nutritionist. I've talked to tons all the time and I mean, there's a huge difference between natural sugar and refined sugar, you know, similar to the, what we were just talking about, you know, your body absorbs it completely differently. The refined sugar, you absorb it instantly. You get that huge spike of energy uh, and then a huge crash where the natural sugar is more of a progression and has everything else. The biggest thing is it's grouping it all together as one, one juice where there's a huge range of juices, like thinking there's one kind of sandwich, right. you know, sandwiches are all bad for you. They could be, right, yeah. you know, but <laughs> some aren't, you know, it, it's, it's kind of the same process where you have some sugars or some juices with barely any sugar, you, you know, you have the green juices that are all nutrients and everything good for you with very little sugar. Uh, and then of course you got on the other end where pure apple juice, which is loaded with sugar, uh, but it still has those, it's a natural sugar. It's got a lot of, uh, benefits for you. So it's definitely about a balance, what your body needs. Uh, there's a huge range for it. And I mean, there's, there's no way that a Coke zero with like zero sugar is better than a sugary juice, you know, you can get something on both spectrums, but it's all about the natural versus the refined. And I, I just never, this really annoys me. Like I never understand why people overthink juice just because it's put into a bottle, but it, same thing is like with, with pregnant people. But let's just say I put a salad in front of you with kale, arugula, spinach, beets, carrots. Um, what else? Something that I would choose pears, right? Like nobody would be like, oh my God, Olivia, so much sugar. I cannot possibly eat all of this. I'm going to have a sugar spike and it's going to be the worst day of my life. But for some reason, when you put that in a grinder and you pour that into the juice, the same exact plate of salad that I plated for you, all of a sudden it's like, wait, what's the sugar content on this? This has got to be crazy. I don't understand it. Like it's, it's just fruits and veggies. And again, you should have a variety in your, in your case. You don't need to have something that's, you know, nine ingredients deep that's super high in, in you know, natural sugars. But 
it's totally fine to eat beets. It's totally fine to eat carrots and apples. Like, you know, your body needs those sugars and and breaks them down accordingly. It's totally different than eating, like Chef said, granulated sugar by the spoonful. Um, I just don't know why people like overthink it and overcomplicate it just because we put it in a juicer and then put it in a bottle. It just blows my mind. Yeah, I mean, I, I do get it from a sense like you don't want to be drinking a ton of calories and sugar and eating a ton of calories and sugar at the same time, you know, if you're worried about being overweight or something. So I get it from like sort of a high level sort of why you'd be concerned about it. But I do agree with Ari that there's a big campaign against sugar a couple of years ago from Big Beverage, which just happened to be like right around the time that Coca-Cola announced they were shutting down Odwalla Juice. Mm-hmm. And PepsiCo sold Tropicana and Naked Juice in 2021. So here's a series of events. Coca-Cola shuts down Odwalla Juice in 2020. PepsiCo sells Tropicana and Naked Juice in 2021. And then I believe in early 2022, Coca-Cola sells the rest of its stake in Suja. So they completely divested in all their sort of, quote-unquote, more natural like juice lines, which is interesting. Um, and I think the only reason they were interested in those in the beginning was there was this looming tax on added sugar in beverages. Do you guys remember that? It was probably, what, like 2016 or 17 or something? But there's like... This, uh, or maybe earlier, sorry, it was earlier than that, but there was some talk in the FDA about adding a tax on added sugar in beverages. So Big Beverage invested in a bunch of juice companies that didn't have added sugar, mm. but then the FDA or whatever <clears throat> agency is regulating that pushed that off and said, we're not going to do that for a long time. And then Coca-Cola and PepsiCo are like, oh, let's get rid of these juice brands because... If you think about everything that Big Beverage sells, it's mostly a way to package water. Like, if you think about uh, soda, it's water with carbonation and a little bit of syrup added and food coloring. It's probably 95% water. Teas are all water. Sparkling water is all water. Water is all water. Um, Juices from concentrate are all water with added concentrate. It's just all about how can we package water to sell it for like a dollar or two dollars or whatever. And you can't do that with juice because juice is, you can't do that with real juice because the cost of goods is so high and it's all juice. So, um, you know, uh, Marcus Antebi, the founder of Juice Press in New York, his new uh, juice bar he started is literally called Good Sugar Mm. because... He's always been very vocal about, like, this sugar and this juice is not bad for you. It's good for you. So he'd be a good person to ask about this. But he's he's been talking about good sugar for years. Um, let's see. Anything else here? Let's make some notes. Okay. Anything else on that? Or should we move on to uh, Mr. Nick Edwards let's here? Let's move on. All right. Hey, everyone. Nick from Juiced and Aligned in Atlanta here. We were wondering if you or anyone you know has ever used the juice pulp to make the dog biscuits. And if so, what is that experience like? And also, if we were to sell our pulp, what type of price per pound uh, should we look at pricing it at? Thanks. Hmm. All right, you want to start with this one? 
Yeah. Why do all our callers have really good radio voices? Right? <laughs> I hope I sound hey. half as good as half these guys. Do? Ari has a good radio voice, like, I think. Whenever I listen to the episode, I'm like, man, Ari's got, Ari's got the best radio voice out of the whole group, for sure. It's, hus- it's husky. I don't know. Well, when you listen to yourself, like, oh, I, know. <laughs> I sound like that. <laughs> no, so uh, repurposing a pulp, you know, it's, it's great, for sure. Because, first of all, when you start out, I wouldn't worry too much about it initially because you have a lot going on. There's a lot to do to open your operation. But once you're all set, a couple weeks in, month in, start focusing on that for sure because it's such a huge aspect. It's, it's basically stuff you're able to repurpose, make 100% profit off something that you might be discarding at the very least easy way out is supporting the farmers and donate them for you know uh pig farms or chicken scrap anything like that farmers always need that product it's really great for their soil for compost so at the very least set up something like that in terms of repurposing it uh i know robin put together an amazing dog treat recipe on the good nature mm-hmm. blog uh, i know tons of people that make that i used to make it for uh my dogs all the time uh the important aspect is definitely the ingredients uh that are in the pulp that you're repurposing for that uh because certain items dogs can't have but on that blog post when you check it out there is a link that tells you what dogs can have and what to avoid uh yeah and i mean the you, markup, you can just it's, uh it's completely up to you you can just search that on google dog biscuit recipe good nature um that'll be the first result that comes up for you um yeah and the the beautiful thing about that is the price i mean you could charge whatever you want you know it's it's something you were going to throw out we also have stuff where you could uh i've heard of people make breads with it i'm not a baker i'm I'm horrible at baking but uh yeah that's the option we also have uh, a pesto recipe a lot of it comes down to what kind of pulp you're repurposing you know maybe have a few different applications but a great option for sure cool uh do you do anything like this in your juice bar olivia you know it's funny um i googled juice pulp for dog biscuits and good nature came up and i was like oh we could just give them this recipe but um you know i think just make sure that whatever's in your recipe of whatever juice you're you're using obviously first research it and make sure that it's safe um for dogs like i know you know i researched almonds because that's something that we do a lot and we make granolas and crackers out of our almond pulp. And it's not necessarily dangerous for dogs like a chocolate would be, but it's much difficult, much more difficult for them to digest. So just do a little bit of research in the background if you feel like you're ready for that step. Um, I would still calculate your food costs just as an interesting thing to do. And as a good practice, you should be calculating your food costs for everything. And then, you know, I think it's a really great branding opportunity to, to put it in a cute little craft bag with a window where they can see the product and, you know, a great little sticker that talks about, you know, give your dog some juice too, um, juice loving for your dog. I mean, there's so many cute things you can do with it. I think it's a great idea. I mean, we do use our almond pulp for, um, a lot of different things. We sometimes use it for granola on top of, um, some of our acai bowls. We use them sometimes as flax crackers. Um, so there's a lot of things you can do with your pulp. Um, 
yeah, I think it's a fun, I think I'll take that idea to, to my chef and see if he wants to do something with it. I think it's a fun thing to do. It'd be great to do for the holidays, like a little, a little gift from, um, juice and aligned at Atlanta for your dog this holiday season. And it's just, you know, a little five or $6 bag of treat. I think it's cute. Yeah. I, I, um, I think sometimes when people forget, like I, I always have this conversation with people it's like, well, can I make crackers with the juice ball or whatever? It's like, once you press all the juice out of the fruit and vegetable, it really doesn't taste like much anymore. It's just like super fibrous. So it's usually necessary to mix it with other things to make it into something like a cracker or a dog biscuit. Like I think our recipe adds rolled oats. Yeah, adds ro- rolled oats to it. Same thing if you're making a cracker out of it, you're going to have to add seasoning and something to kind of hold yeah. it together. Um, on its own, it does not taste good. That's also why it's so hard to use all of it. Like even if you're doing this stuff with your pulp, it's really hard to use all of it because there's so much of it. Um, there's a company in California called Pulp Pantry. Uh, they, they sponsored JuiceCon one year and they literally take like huge truckloads of this stuff and turn it into chips and crackers and everything. Um, but yeah, I think juice biscuits or dog biscuits are a great way to do it. And also some like little crackers and stuff you can do as well. Is the, uh, after you make almond milk is what's left. Is that basically almond flour? Ari? Oh my God. It is so satisfying to touch. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah my no, favorite yeah. thing. <laughs> it's so, it's so amazing. <laughs> You can. I mean, it depends. If you're doing dates in it, it kind of makes oh, yeah, it real right. tricky, mm-hmm. uh, you know. But yeah, it that stuff is definitely. I mean, you bite it; it's kind of you need something to drink after. It does so no flavor at all. His other question is about selling it. I guess maybe mm-hmm. he means his compost. Oh, or does I he thought he selling it selling to the dog biscuit. I I think he. Well, what oh, he said maybe. was selling the pulp, but maybe he oh, meant the dog sorry. biscuits. But I, I do know like Nori on his interview right. mentioned they create the compost and sell the compost. I think there's value in that. I don't think there's any value in just the juice pulp itself. Um, and like mm-hmm. if a farm is taking it to compost, it's a service to you that they come pick it up, you know. Oh, but there was a... Right, yeah. Actually, in, in my notes here, so a company called Our Hive Juice... They replied on our Facebook group a few weeks ago, and I just like screenshot it because I thought it was cool. Uh, this is what they had to say. We have local farmers, parentheses, we put it on our f- local Facebook groups, pick up our pulp by having them purchase a 17 to 20 gallon feed bin with a tight closure for the pulp. And they swing by every other day to swap out with their clean bin. Uh, so I thought that was a pretty cool idea. It's like... yeah. It, it's kind of like the milk, the old school milk exchange program, like leave your empty bottles, we give you full ones. It's like, come with your empty container, we'll fill it up with pulp, you can take it to your farm. I, I just thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, we do that at Southern Press Juicery. We have a, a worm farm that comes and picks up our pulp, and so mm. and we don't charge them for it. I will say that it, it for us, because we have such a small kitchen, sometimes it really creates an issue, because normally, if we would throw out that pulp every day as part of our waste, you know, it's you're forever trying to not get fruit flies in your kitchen, right, chef? But so if we have um, these containers, and even though they're tightly sealed, sometimes they wouldn't come and pick up for like a week at a time, and so it's stacking and stacking and stacking. And 
with such a small kitchen, then you're just like, at some point, you know, chef's going to get mad and be like, just get this stuff out of here. Like I, I have produce that's coming in. So I just want to make sure if you've got somebody that's picking it up, that you've got a good routine, that you know exactly how much to save for them and it's not a nuance to you, but we do not charge them for that. Um, it's just a courtesy that we do. And then they turn around and they put that in their worm farm and they use that compost. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Nick left a second voicemail too. I'm not going to play that one, but he did ask the difference between herbivore grinder and the X1 grinder. So the herbivore is the grinder on the M1 mm-hmm. and X1 mini, which is mechanically different than the one on the X1. And so the explanation for that is we developed the grinder on the X1 Mini and M1 to work pretty well on everything without having to mess with settings and stuff because the feedback we got from X1 owners for smaller juice bars is it's hard to keep training and retraining everybody in proper speed, proper grinder blade, and all the stuff that you have to consider using the X1. So the X1 Mini and M1... The grinder works a little bit differently to work pretty well on everything. Um, you can on the X1, since you can change the settings and have full range of like slow or fast or big teeth or small teeth, you can get better processing out of some ingredients. Um, but so that's the difference. He also asked if it'll ever be a river on the X1. Probably not. I don't think it's something we can make that large. And for the people that do like the configurability, it's actually... X1 grinder is a little better in that way. All right. So now we have a voice message from someone. I think uh, he said his name is Priyag from Canada. Play it here. My name is Priyag. I own the juice and a smoothie bar in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. I'm not the original founder. I took over three years ago. Uh, currently, all of our menu items are gluten-free. Um, and I wanted to find out that if I expand this as, like, if you open up a second store or a franchise, do I have to keep this as gluten-free or there is an option I can just play by the area? Uh, Livia, you want to kick this one off? Yeah, so I actually just did this. So um, all of our juice bars are raw, vegan, and gluten-free. There is one item in every store, um, which is our toast that is our bread that is locally sourced in, at each store. Um, used for our toast that is not gluten-free. So we talk about that on the menu. That is the only item that is not gluten-free, but it is something that we talk about. As soon as a guest comes in, we say, hey, welcome to Southern Press Juicery. Let me know if I can have any, if you have any questions. And then as you get in conversation, is their first time or you let them know we are vegan. We do use honey. So if you need to substitute that for agave, let us know because you don't want to piss off the super like uber raw people that vegan people that don't need honey. And then we start talking about everything is also gluten-free except for these menu items. And we'll list that out. Now, the third shop that I just opened actually has a sub fridge that um, one of our sister restaurants puts in um, non, non-vegan non items like turkey sandwiches, ham sandwiches. Mm. But it is in its own cooler branded with that own company mm. because it's in a bank. And so a lot of people come down and sometimes they just want a sandwich. You know, they don't want an acai bowl every day, mm-hmm. but it's in its own separate cooler. It's branded as the name of that sister restaurant. And it is obviously all the ingredients are listed. And so we just made it never mix them in the fridge together. But so I think it's totally fine to start adding in things that are not gluten-free. I think guests are used to seeing stickers or notations on menus um, that just say, you know, V or, you know, GF for gluten-free. So I, I think that um, it, it's not like somebody's going to order something 
because it's not not gluten. That makes sense. Because it has gluten in it, right? The, yeah. Your only trouble as an owner-operator is having gluten-free things limits the things you can put on your menu, right? Like, so it's easily just, it's easy to source things that are not, and it helps, you know, your food costs and stuff like that. So I think it's totally fine to do. I've done it myself. I just think you got to have to be ready for the conversation, make it visible in your branding and in your, um, logos and, and, um, written out things, make it obvious on your menu online and just always cover your bases. Yeah. And that is not like going from vegan to selling meat you know it, it's it's not like you're no. going to have this no. huge sort of like almost um i don't know protest or something over it it just yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't which, seem which, like that again, big a deal I to did. Me. yeah it made me very nervous and it's been fine i think because of how careful we were about the branding and we never we keep our kitchen kosher we never bring in things that are non-vegan into our kitchen those things that are non-vegan are made in a separate restaurant and then brought over already packaged. Mm. So we're just really careful about the integrity of that. Well, you have anything on this, Ari? Yeah, I remember cooking uh, like 10, 15 years ago when someone gluten-free coming in, it'd be so stressful, you know, like the official ones with the celiac disease and the card and can't have any of this product. And it it was so stressful, (laughs) you know, because like... (laughs) You know, cause a lot of harm, but now it's it's. I mean, the products that are out there are so much better now. I mean, there's a huge line of gluten free products, uh, so comparable. <clears throat> I think with your concept, it's it's already gluten free. You're looking to expand. It 100 percent depends on your clientele that's coming in. You know, are the people that are coming into your operation currently? Is that their main uh, draw to your restaurant? Uh, if it is, you got to stick with it. If it's if it's one of your core values, I would recommend sticking with it. Uh, if not, I mean, do like uh, Olivia mentioned, you know, kind of maybe introducing uh, toast options. You know, have two separate toasters, one for the gluten-free product, one for the not, and, uh, and see how it goes. Kind of do a simple test with just getting a new toaster. You know, and seeing how it's uh, perceived by your guests. Yeah, makes sense. So go ahead. You have our blessing. You may sell the gluten. Go ahead. Sell the gluten. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, just about an hour. Uh, I think we can wrap it up. Once again, thank you to my wonderful co-host for joining. And thank you for our awesome customers and our audience that left voice messages today. It definitely makes the episode better when we have these to play. And uh, hope everybody has a great weekend. Bye, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Peace out. Ciao. It's another Friday. This week I did it my way. I made lots of juice, and now I feel a boost. Baby, say, oh, it's the way I make my juice. Pressing fruits and roots. This week I did it my way Baby say oh Now let's have some fun There is nothing greater Than Fridays at Good Nature